Greetings, hello, welcome, hi, hey, this is Evan McGregor. Welcome to the very first Autotelic Arts podcast. My first guest is Alon Ilsa, a Sydney-based drummer, composer, sound designer, as well as an inventor of an instrument called the Air Sticks. Alon has played in countless bands across many genres, as well as being involved in theatre and circus shows. First, there's going to be a little mashup of some of his work before we start, and there's also going to be a few full songs that he's played on as well uh, at the end of the podcast. So, I hope you enjoy. So here we are with Mr. Alon Ilsa. Hey, correct pronunciation? Doctor. That's an imp- doctor, really? Yeah, I didn't tell you. Really? No, tell me. Tell me all about it. I've just got, got my PhD. Mm. Okay, not a, like, medi- not a medical doctor. No, no, I'm not writing it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You just finished it. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. That so, was- wait. Yeah, that's actually... So was that to do with your... Is no, this related to, to with the airsticks, yeah. Okay, well... Perfect. Good place to start. Tell me what you're doing. What, tell me what the air sticks are. The air sticks are um, a gestural instrument. They're, they're an invention that I had many years ago. 
uh, an idea to be able to play electronic sounds in space without hitting anything. Um, and I found a wonderful computer programmer. I'm not a computer programmer. I just kind of imagine things and then try to find people that can make them get, happen. Get a slave to do it for you. Exactly. Well, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> now you have to cut that out now. Okay. No, no, no. He's, he's a dear friend and I, and I saw him perform with this suit that had like switch sensors in it that he could manipulate other um, instruments that were wow. in the band. Wow. Um, how long, so how long was that? Like, oh man, that was so long ago. That yeah, was before been... the hat. Okay, yeah. right. This is another thing I'm going to ask yeah, you about. Yeah, okay. about 2003. Yeah. Um, so when I saw him do that, I had an idea of playing electronic percussion uh, and wearing a hat that allowed me to, to manipulate the sounds like a chaos pad. So and so you played and you played drums at the same time as yeah. that at the time, right? And the yeah. hat it is ex- accelerometers in it. That is that right? Yeah, yeah, the first one had mercury switch sensors. So that you know, like if you think of mercury as this liquid metal, when it when you tilt your head, it, it pours down to right. one side and makes a connection. Right. Okay. And tilt the other way. Cool. Is that an? Ex- is, I don't no, know. No, no, no. Accelerometers are well. different again. Okay. But this was this was a while ago, and accelerometers weren't quite as well quite popular we have them in everything now yeah 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 sure um, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, every iPhone or whatever yeah exactly um, yeah. so the second iteration was accelerometers and of, the, of the hats of the hat. still talking about the hat okay yeah yeah, yeah. so and this guy so this, this Mark Havrilov so he invented this hat or did yeah, that the similar he built me this hat he built you this hat yeah, yeah. Awesome. and then I got bored of it pretty quickly because it was <laughs> ridiculous to watch someone move their head around while playing the drums, <laughs> trying to control like all these parameters. Yeah, because I remember seeing you play in. Um, the, I saw you play once with Gauche. Yeah, so that would have been like Gauche. how long yeah. were we talking? Maybe ten years ago or something. Yeah, that was two thousand five. Was the last time I used the hat. I reckon maybe even earlier. And you used it a little bit, and then you're like, nah. But it was like it's a developmental step towards something else. Yeah, kind of yeah after, I get bored of things really quickly. Yeah, right. it's it's really my um. Achilles heel. But I, but I that, think. Yeah, I mean, but on the other <laughs> hand, it also makes you do heaps of different, like, diverse stuff, right? Which yeah, is, which is super exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so then, yeah, can you talk a bit more about the, the, so with the sticks themselves, the air sticks? So the air sticks were the next version where we, we got kind of bored of the electronic percussion in general, of actually hitting anything. Because at the time, actually, okay, so at the time we had another instrument that, that I had built, not with Mark, um, with some other collaborators called that was affectionately called the Alonomophone, <laughs> but I call it the EEP, which was the electroacoustic percussive pad. That's and it was more sensible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it had like an EEP kind of sound to it. It was just a, a table with pickups on it, and I could attach different bits of junk to it. Right. And through... So I just, it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't movement-based like you... Well, no, no, no. Right. You just hit it, it just, like it was pads, but it was actually picking up the sound of this stuff that you're putting on it mm, um, mm. with contact mics. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So it's just a way to like have a lot of contact mics near each other with, on different bits of material. Yeah. You'll be able to use brushes, hands, sticks. Whatever. Oh, man. I've tried to... Do, I've thought about doing that before and then I never quite got to it. I should have just done it. There we go. <laughs> Don't bother. That's fucking old anyway. Yeah. yeah. No, it was great. It was just, you could, yeah. I got some really interesting sounds, really lo-fi. Yeah. Really interesting. Only good for certain things, I suppose, yeah. Mm. So then the next thing was, all right, how, how do I play these electronic sounds that I like, these samples that I've, that I, you know, 
write music with on a yeah. computer. Yeah. And we tried putting accelerometers in a stick. This was back in 2000. Like actual well, like stick. around a stick. Okay, which, right. Which yeah. 11 years ago when we tried it in 2007, we just couldn't quite figure out. We, we, we missed a, a, a step in our logic and <laughs> I wish we had stuck out of it because now people are making those things. Oh, wow. And you could have patented it. I could have yeah. done it like oh. 11 years ago. Mm. But, yeah. So then we tried, um, uh, what's it called? Um, LED lights on a, on, a, on a mallet. So a mallet had four LED lights on it and the screen could see how they were orientated, what shape they were making, how yeah. big they were. So from that, they could track exactly where this mallet was. What, sorry, what is actually... It was using a camera, the computer okay. camera. Right. Oh, just the com- just, yeah. like, okay. But at right. the time, in 2007, it was just too slow. And so what program would was kind of... What software was doing that? Is this like... Because you see stuff with people them. making their own shit. Yeah. So this is before Max. MSP or whatever. Well, not necessarily before. But it's the same kind of concept, right? Like, is in. Yeah, but where you, where Mark was making stuff in C and and Java and heavier code underneath that. Okay, yeah, right, because he's a programmer, uh, so you can, yeah. And then perhaps fitting it out into Max or or other things. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we tried that. Then we tried an exoskeleton, which was like this thing you wear that had. Like a full bodysuit kind of thing. Yeah, on the arms. Yeah, I think. Okay. So potentiometers on two on the wrist, two on the elbow, two on the shoulder. But that didn't work very well. <laughs> um, and then Josh Head, actually, okay, ankle pants, uh, mentioned that there was these gaming controllers that we should try out yeah. um, that just came out that um, were electromagnetic. So they knew exactly where you were in space and your orientation. Wow, Which is exactly okay. what we wanted. Right. Um, in reference to a hub. So there's a hub, you hold these two controllers. Unfortunately, they're wired, but they're still free to move around. Yeah. And they tell you exactly where they are in reference to that hub. And Yeah, so this is not with a camera anymore, is it? No. Because that exactly. was, like I saw this I saw you play a bunch of times with the sticks, and the whole time I just assumed that there was a camera there. I yeah. didn't look, and it's like because you're kind of looking at the computer, and uh, yeah, I, I've you know, kind of stopped looking at the computer. More yeah, recently. that was probably earlier days, and that was a development as well. More because at first we assigned these boxes, imaginary boxes oh, yeah, in space, yeah. and I'd have to watch the screen to, to make sure I was on the right box to trigger up. So you, yeah. So can you kind of just explain that a little bit? So. You, you're looking at a screen that's got these boxes and it's showing you where you're holding the controller right? yeah. and, and depending on which box is lighting up, yeah. that's triggering a different yeah. sample, right? And you is hit that in of... that area and there's a different sample. So how many different, you've well, only got a... I got off that pretty quickly. Okay. Because I, I realized that what was the point of, like what's the point of playing something like a theremin? Or let's say even a that's violin. a very is a very good question. What's the what's point? What's the point? Exactly. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so move on. Like a violin is fretless. You know, the beauty of it is that you can slide around. Yeah. And I created a fretted air instrument, and I was like, why would I need to look at a screen and make sure that yeah, one sample is yeah, here, another sample is sure. there? I should actually assign one sound on one extreme, another sound on another extreme, and make them morph between the two of them slowly. Yeah, so, so you've got a you've got a continuum rather exactly. than a discrete yeah change. discrete little yeah exactly yeah. so that became kind of uh, uh, 
my yeah my passion was morphing morphing sounds mm. and there's plenty of ways that people do this with samples but it's always easier to do it with synthesis because you've just got more control over the sound so in the last year I've played a lot of FM synthesis morphing sounds okay um, and that's created its own kind of aesthetic to the aesthetics it's quite dark and quite right, so when did that sort of come in like uh Probably midway through 2016. Wow, so that's really interesting because there was, in my head, there was when I saw you guys play a bunch of times, there was, a, there was definitely a big jump in the sound somewhere, and I wasn't exactly sure if that was just from you guys playing a lot together or what, or if it was a compositional right. thing, but it was a technology thing as well then. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Well, well not I so much approach technology. the technology, because yeah. the technology yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, exa- the same. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, when only now actually trying to make our own hardware, build our own software that would have its own sound. Because okay. for the last four or five years, I've just been plugging in MIDI into Ableton or Max well, or whatever. That's and then what so I'm you using. pro in within that, you sort of program the sound you want first yes. and then you're just, and then you'll... Yeah. So is it kind of like you're... Can you explain a bit more about what you're doing with this, the, the controllers? Like, so you're just... Modulating and changing the parameters on within Ableton. Yeah, completely. Okay. Yeah, completely. So if you think of of space in three D X Y Z, each of them as sliders, then you can assign each slider to different parameters. So if I move forward, it changes the pitch. If I move to the right and left, it might change the volume. If I move up and down, it might change the reverb. Let's okay. say that, for example, just yeah. to make yeah. them really different. Yeah. Um, I actually change different oscillators with the synthesis by doing that. And that's, I kind of plug more oscillators in as I move further away from a certain point. And that's how it morphs around. Yeah, cool. So I know that close to my body, I'm going to have one oscillator that's just going boom, right? Like a kick. And as I move further away, another oscillator is going to go into that and become a whiter sound perhaps. Right. More like a snare. And if I move to my right, Maybe a different sound comes in that turns the kick into more of a tom kind of sound because it changes the, the overtones in it. And as I go up, and a different oscillator might change it to sounding more like a cymbal. Do you know what I mean? So, yes. Can you just explain it a bit more? So, that, so for example, the kick sound, you've got a particular action or movement that will always do a kick, but then in combination, is it when you move with... The hand move when your body when I hit somewhere else. Oh, okay. So I'm basically like, if I if I hit close to. Oh, so you're still just talking about your hand movements at the moment. Okay, right. Okay. So if I hit, it's because it's all just coming off the just the controller, isn't it? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one thing, I guess, this is you just getting into it more. Yeah, I noticed a a a change almost like from seeing in the first few times with the sticks, where it was like. And I guess this is the nature of any newish project. Your head's a bit more in it, right? So is it is it because of that that the change from you having to look at the screen that Absolutely. you could physically get into it more? But is it also like you start you're you're finding your place physically in the music in the same way that as a drummer, you when you know the music more, you just physically engage with it more as well. Is it or is it more just the? Well, there's, there's so many different gestures that we do as musicians, right? There's the gestures that actually make a sound. Yeah. And we practice them over and over and over to make those sounds happen. Yeah. And then there's the gestures that don't change a sound at all, but 
you might want to communicate something to someone else in the band or maybe the audience. Okay. I don't so, for an example, give it. giving someone a nod. Okay, like a cue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I suppose there's gestures that are, don't contribute to the sound, but you don't notice that you're making. Yeah. Which are more just like the visceral yeah. thing. Is that what you mean? Like when you, you're playing something and you just naturally, your body moves in a certain yeah. way or whatever. I think that's the three kind of yeah. types of gestures. So when, when you, I've finished my PhD. That's why I'm not, <laughs> I finished? remember think, think, thinking about that in the PhD, trying to classify. The okay, right. Gestures, right. Okay, like, yeah. Why, yeah. How do I... So did you... Sorry, is that something you actually kind of researched? Yeah, yeah. Well, I and, and, and there are people who have gone with... Yeah, gone with the three, three kind of gestures. Okay. Yeah. In, in music. In music. In performance. Uh, yeah, in instrument design. Yeah. Okay. So when you're designing a new instrument and you've you've decoupled movement from sound in mm. such a way like you do with the Estics where you've, you've gone, well, you can now do anything and you can assign any sound to it. Mm. That's that's the world that opens up when you use these gestural controllers. I happen to use the metaphor that when I strike through the air, I want a sound to happen because I'm a drummer. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that someone else who's a violinist couldn't want it, couldn't get a bow kind of gesture out of it and and get the yeah. sound happening that way. Or a dancer that wants something a lot more abstract and doesn't yeah. you know necessarily want a strike to mean a sound. Yeah. So I've kind of dedicated the estics to being transparent and using my skill. Okay. I'm a drummer. Drummers are quite transparent, which is good. So how can I use my skills as a drummer and communicate to the audience that when I move, I make a particular sound and make it quite clear to them that that's the sound. Yeah. And, and then when do I fuck up with them? Because I can fuck, fuck up with them. So that does... Fuck them up. <laughs> fuck up with them. Um, <laughs> And then you have to break that somehow, you yeah. know, and, and I suppose that's the interesting part. When do you, when do you break that? When do you have a, a clear connection between sound then start to get murky? For example, let's say I, 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 I made a strike through the air and I got a big bass sound. Yeah. And the metaphor I use with the drums, with, with the air, air sticks is, is a lot like water. Um, I go through a certain point. Mm. It's like splashing through water. The sound yeah. remains on. I'm underwater with that, the microphone for, the, yeah. for that analogy. Underwater, exploring it, moving around, right. changing sound, and then I lift it up above the water and it stops. Yeah. Or it drips a little bit and then stops. Yeah. That's the kind of metaphor I use with the Estics. Yeah. I want these gestures to be really clear, big sound. If I, the harder I hit, the louder the sound. The sound stays on. I do something with that sound and I lift up. That's, that's yeah. to me the, the main gesture of the instrument. Yeah. Um, and it's what makes it open up to things that you can't do Whoa, with drums. This, oh, absolutely. All absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, that's, so that's something I kind of want to ask you actually was a, from your, the movement from drum kit to the air sticks is because, because the way you're describing it seems quite unintuitive. But is that something that you, you felt 
when you first started playing like that? I mean, like, because obviously when you hit the drums, you get that immediate feedback and there's that point where the drum hits and that's it, right? And that's Mm. all all you got. Like, obviously you can do some other stuff around that, but more or less that's it. So when you first started playing it, was that something you had to really kind of take time to adapt to? And then it sort of clicked at some point and it became intuitive or? I think it's one of the hardest things when I give it to other people to control sustain. Mm. They, They strike and they leave their hand there and they go, why isn't the sound stopped? And you say, you have to lift your hand. They lift their hand. Oh. Yeah. And it's like, I've got now a control over sustain. Yeah. So you've gotten used to that. You've got... Oh, yeah. You're, you're it. like it's, your... it's, it's like playing brushes. More like more like sticks. Mm. So you hit yeah, and, you, sure. and you scrape and you move yeah. around and you lift up. Yeah. What you do as a, as a programmer now, not as the performer, with that sustain is infinite. So do you sustain a sound that's just a tone? Do you sustain a sound that changes through mm. time slowly? Yeah. Do you sustain a sound that has a rhythm to it? Um, do you just trigger a sample at the same point every time? Yeah, I mean, there's... Do you turn on uh, a gate that opens up um, what, you know, a loop f- from something else that you've just sampled yeah. from another musician? Does it trigger visuals? Does it yeah. change the lights? Does it make a smell in the room? Does it... Like, yeah. It's, a, it's irrelevant now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. We've decoupled the technology from the sound or the visual or yeah. the smell. Well, yeah. I haven't dealt with smells yet. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, so that's, that's kind of something I was going to ask you about it, right, is that what you're doing now with it, like, I, I imagine, like, just, just from what you're saying, is like this infinite, like, kinds of things you can do with it. So, so what are your kind of... You got a vision for it of where it's gonna where it's gonna go. What are some of your crazy ideas that you're gonna do with the sticks? You know, with the air sticks themselves, or what about you? Um, the main thing with the air sticks I'm focusing on now is fixing the problem of no haptic feedback. So the the, the, the triggering system we've had for the for the last five years is inc- is incredible. This analogy that I'm using of, of the water, yeah, but it's super hard to play fast. Because right. you've got no feedback. And that imaginary point that you're going through, you the only feedback you're getting is oral. Yeah. Um, oral? Or, oral. Or, I think, yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my one ESL. <laughs> sorry, maybe not. Um, maybe I just can't pronounce it. Um, so... It, <laughs> <laughs> I just had this thing in my head. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to play fast. You have to play like... Phrases, slow phrases with each sound control the sound nuance. I'm really wanting to build new hardware. That's that's been wanting. I've been wanting that for, for years. So by hardware, we're talking about the sticks themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And they're not sticks at the moment. They're, okay. They're I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. Sure, but sure. I've always thought. But, but eventually they'll be just long sticks, right? Just. <laughs> so what we're, what we're developing now is um, a, a a way of creating feedback a way of more grabbing sounds and, and being able to play almost as fluidly as you can on a, on a on an electronic drum kit there shouldn't okay. be a difference so we've kind of we think we've solved that problem and that would open us up to just giving it to people and allow, and they'll be able to play it straight away without even thinking at the moment it's really hard to, to learn it okay so, so and is that something you want to just from what you've said then like 
you want to give it to people? Like, mm. is this is this an, an invention that will go out to other people yeah. to use? Is that the yeah, idea? I love that. And, and also, it, again, it plays to my strength as a drummer because at the moment I can't play the rhythms that I want to play. I, I'm, I'm restricted to, to playing these slower rhythms. They're quite precise, but they're slow. Um, but is that good in a sense as well because it makes you then focus on those sort of more like... Yeah, perhaps. In some ways, possibly. But in some ways. Probably also frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I want to focus on that. With the Estics, that's probably my focus. Mm. But outside of the Estics and maybe uh, using the Estics within this, my, my focus is uh, morphing rhythms. So I use the Estics for this as well, but I find it easier on the drums. Okay. All oh, right. So this is just more, this is a broader concept. Yeah. Talking about. Okay. Awesome. And and it can be used with the Estics as well. Yeah. Sure. Um, it just will be harder because of what I've said about the way. Sure. Play. Yeah. No. No. Cool. So but, let's. Yeah. Morphing rhythms. I think you mentioned this to me much, once before, but yeah. So. But basically, for I for slow rhythms, I want to use the Estics. Okay. For fast rhythms, I want to use the drums. For now. Yeah. In, in, and and I have a certain piece in mind of of, of dealing with that. Okay. But I I think I was I was maybe talking to you about this obsession I've had recently with converting rhythms into pitches or frequencies. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, and this is absolutely something that I wanted to kind of pick your brain a bit because I think you, what's also interesting about this idea is that I've heard a few different people talk about it and they've always got a slightly different way of expressing it. So are we talking about this, this idea that melody and rhythm are actually kind of the same thing? Is that kind of... But yeah, rhythm and so, so like if you have yeah. rhythm, any sort of regular pulses, mm. if- but even not regular pulses. Mm. Regular pulses, you'll get a certain timbre when you speed them up into the the rate that we hear pitches. Yeah, but irregular pulses will also speed up to make a, a sound, but it will have it, but it a won't different have timbre. A, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And it might have some overtones in it that create, you know different pitches, but mm. that's part of the timbre, right? Yeah. Um, so if you if you speed up a click, like a really simple sound, mm-hmm. and it's just da 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 it'll become a note, right? Yeah. I'm probably yeah. not singing it very well because it's – but on a computer, you can make that happen really easily. Yeah. Um, now, if you have two of those that are perfectly proportionate to each other in halves, so da 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 you know, um, as they speed up, they'll become an octave. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have them two over three, as they speed up, they'll become a perfect fifth. They always remain that distance from each other yeah. in pitch up the top. Um, so yeah, I'm really interested in that. So also, um, you know, conversely, you can take any pitch and exactly. slow it right down, and it's actually a rhythm, right? exactly. which is also pretty amazing, really. Yeah. Like. Yeah, but the, the 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 rhythms that you'll slow down to are going to be a lot more complicated, especially yeah. with our tuning. Okay, system. but if you took, say, if you took a simple, because like I I only just beginning to kind of understand this stuff. It's all pretty pretty out there to me. So if you took a really simple sine wave like mm. a, of a note that was didn't have all this other cluttered noise and stuff in it, yeah. and you like say if you took a C or something, you slowed it right down. So what would you? Do you know what you get? Like, you- well, sine wave is relevant where you started, but let's let's say four forty just for simplicity. Four forty, okay, it's yeah. an A. Yep. If you slow it, slow it down until you get to 
10 hertz, you start hearing it as a pulse, even earlier than 10 hertz, mm. uh, if there's some kind of click in it particularly. Um, uh, so, you know, square wave, triangle wave, you'll, you'll hear that more prominently because it's the wave shape has a kind of, you know, the attack to it. Yeah. You'll still hear it with a sine wave. And basically, if you slow it down to one hertz, you're actually talking 60 beats per minute. Yeah. So you'll, you know, you'll get that, that tempo. Now, if you have another one at 880 and 440, that's an octave, two mm-hmm. A's, mm-hmm. and you slow them both down at the same rate, yeah. they'll get to be one hertz and two hertz by the end. And that'll be, you know, double time. So they'll always have that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty amazing. What gets more complicated is if you have a more complicated rhythm. It's not necessarily that much more complicated, but not just da 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 but maybe even da 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 like what does that turn into um you get some really interesting overtones and certain things emerging from that yeah so have you experimented with that like have you actually done that on the computer and you've kind of yeah so i've done a lot on the computer and explored that and explored ratios but more recently i started working with uh, a saxophonist and a computer programmer called Benjamin Carey. And we actually sat down and worked through these systems that I developed. Yeah. And made a program that allowed me to play drums and for the computer to interpret it in real time and convert it to pitch. So wow. the slower I play, you get these low, like, you know, sine waves, but as soon as in I... In real time, it's... In con- real time. Wow. But it's about smoothing it as well. So as as I speed up, it will slowly ramp yeah. up and get higher. Wow. And it was about fine-tuning it, like finding the the right place, the right ratios, you know, for it to be. So, for it to sound good or you ought to... For yeah, it to just, for for, it to, but to also the audio. If, if you multiply what I do by a thousand, it might be a pitch that's too high. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's actually inaudible. Yeah. yeah, but we actually went... We decided to multiply it by octaves, so always doubling. Yeah. So that in theory it's the same number. So yeah. if I'm playing da da da, and you multiply that by 128, you'll start getting. And in theory, they're however many octaves apart, but they're actually octaves that are in theory the same number. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. So we dealt with that, and we had it so that each drum was sending out its own pitch, and then you've got four chord harmony basically yeah wow. between these four drums wow and have you so you haven't done this live yet not yet okay yeah awesome but it it really so sorry the, what's the we, we're coming around to the morph this is the morphing thing you're talking about is it it came out of the morphing idea so, so what do you mean by what aspect is the morphing i'm just trying to well morphing for me is any anything that changes slowly that you, you can, oh, okay you can right. never detect where it's it's changing sure okay but with, with morphing rhythms that the simplest way to, to think of it is if you take two notes and you have a swing function of where that second note lies mm, you can yeah. slowly move it between lying right in the middle to lying almost at the end so yeah, right. can you can you explain this in kind of from a like a sort of a drummer's perspective? Because I think that's how a lot of people would understand it. That's how I would kind of mm. understand it. I think you this is what you were telling me a few weeks back, um, is that you've got, you know, you're you on the beat and you can mm. you can subdivide, say if you've got semi quaver subdivisions and you can play, you know, you know, like they're mm. all the different the next semi quavers. But you can push them obviously push and pull that that where that 
yeah. hit in between the quarter notes are to any different point. Yeah. So you right. got, you're getting off the grid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like you're yeah. always on a grid. You can always yeah. mathematically figure out exactly where you hit. So you were like, experimenting with, is that like push, yeah, slowly, slowly moving it instead of moving it through the grid in sixteenth uh, notes or thirty seconds exactly. or any particular thing. Yeah. You're just doing it in yeah off grid. Just every yeah. particular every possible point that it could be. Yeah, right. and obviously you hear it slot into some places. Yeah. So if yeah. I naturally start your by, brain just interprets yeah. it like that. Yeah. If I start by saying da 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 you know, you're yeah. slowly moving that closer that and closer to the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you if you do that with three notes, you get much more interesting things. You're yeah. moving two notes in there, but you, you you can also, in theory, move the first note. So you go back to the to the two note example. If you got da 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 you can also speed it up, you know, at the end there. So speeding it up is in theory moving that first note, not the second one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So it, I don't know. I've, I've just developed this game in my head. It's 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 a way to occupy myself or something to all to like <laughs> hear rhythms, but well, slowly push them. Even, even if they're not being pushed, like even when I listen to music that's not that's on a grid, like even yeah, house music. I'm you like try to moving it in my head, going, no, 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 it's not there. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little yeah, later. Play a little mind games. Yeah. So, so I guess trying to get a broader picture of this, it's for your own. Is it this mainly for your own sort of just satisfaction? Okay. Because so. the thing is, this, this kind of stuff. This it, when you start getting to really like out there stuff, you're moving all the beats. You know, like especially when you move away from the. Because okay, here's a good example, right? Like what are you talking about? If you're if you're holding down the quarter note as a drummer, mm. but every note around that you can push and pull. People when they listen to it, they're still going to be really locking into that chord, and yeah. that's kind of really cool. Exactly. And plenty of people have been doing that, right? It's like you know, it's just pushing and pull yeah. being that wonky thing. But when you start pulling all the beats here and there. Yeah. Have you got any sort of is this is this like, an anchor? Or no, or it's more, I'm more asking about the audience. Is this like oh, I want to do this project? I want people to because I guess what I'm saying is you're in danger of just purely like satisfying your own thing. But is that irrelevant? It's like this I, is something that just interests you. I, I think there's something. Um, uh, what word would I use? Entrancing about it. Um, the whole wonky thing, wonky beat thing, like within hip hop. Is kind of about consistency. It's like consistency. Yeah, that's true. Consistently actually, yeah. being with always a just before, or, or, just or you know, or an early kick, or hi hat that swung in. Yeah, not okay. quite in quintuplets. It's just a feel thing. And yeah, a, yeah, yeah, one yeah. thing about morphing is that you explore the feel. You, re, you you land in different points that you'd like, and you hold them, and you create tension with them. Yeah, but then you slowly morph them into something else. And it's more about the goal that then changing them quickly. Like, right. so if I set myself a goal to get from da, 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 to da, 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 and I just focus on hearing it, hearing that other rhythm before I even play it, like, so that I can, I slowly move there. Your body just kind of takes you there eventually, very yeah. gradually. Kind of and you're holding all those different places in between and you find yourself playing sevens, Groups of sevens all of a sudden within that and going, mm. oh, right, I'm playing now. Da, 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 yeah, da, da, yeah, da. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize I was going to get there. 
on the way to this other yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you hold that for a bit and you go, okay, now, do I want to keep moving that place or do I want to move back to the other one? And yeah. to me, that's a way of entrancing the audience. It's, it's, it's a way of keeping them on their toes and making them really not, not be able to just get comfortable. Mm. And I don't know, for me, listening to music that does that is really powerful, whether mm. it's Steve Reich, whether it's Moroccan music from, uh, you know, I've been check out yeah, a lot of Nawa yeah, yeah, music yeah, that yeah, I'm just obsessed yeah. with. Yeah. Whether it's like electronic um, uh, producer like Surgeon, he's got a couple of albums where he's doing all this phasing stuff. And it's, for me, a real joy to listen to because sure. your time, yeah. your concept of time is no longer about this loop. It's about yeah, 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 yeah. a drive forward yeah. in... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're so conditioned to just listening to most music just in this very strict way, right? So it's like, Completely. it seems really obvious when it's the way that you talk Completely. about it. Especially but it's when you just, hear just, ancient music absolutely. or spiritual yeah. music. And, yeah. Um, I, yeah, well, yeah. that's a perfect example of the... Is it, is it Nawa? Is that how you say it? That, that Moroccan tradition? Yeah. I'm not exactly... But like... Yeah, when I first listened to them playing the the crackets, you know, yeah. the the like massive cast, uh, metal castanets they yeah. have, and like I was trying to like, and I think you were talking about something similar as well. Yeah. Um, trying to like decode the, the rhythms that they're using, and after a while you realise like, no, there's multiple people playing the yeah. same time, but they're kind of slightly out with each other. Yeah. It just gives this amazing like. But it's got so much out. more full of. No, no, but yeah, but out, not, out sounds like I'm. Yeah, no, no, it, I, it's degrading it. It's not out. It's, it's, not, it's. No, I know what you mean, but what I mean as well by not saying out is I, I actually think, well, the my interpretation is they're kind of swarming, like mm. they're all playing together. But if someone pushes in one direction, they just sort of they might go with them. They might mm. not. And, and that's I'm a really interesting. That, I like that analogy of swarming because it's like if you imagine. A, like a you know a bunch of bees exactly. and w- one or two going the other direction, yeah. Sometimes the, the, they follow, but sometimes, sometimes yeah, 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 and yeah. then they might come. They'll just come. Yeah. They'll come back to the. Exactly. To the yeah, yeah. There's something for me about listening to that music that I can just hear this. It's really hypnotic. Constant tension and and release. That's almost more about the way you listen to it than about what's happening in the music. If that makes sense. Yeah. It it, it, it creates a real. Um, like I'm very into active listening. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Sometimes I like putting things on, and 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 having them really passive and yeah. like. Sure. I don't want them to do anything to yeah. me. Um. But other times I want them to create a space for me to actually. So by active listening, you mean intentional paying attention and being immersed in it, isn't yeah. it right? Like yeah. just yeah. actually, well, also which some... is so missing from exactly. so like from my life too. You know, like I always intend to do that but it's so hard to find time to do that but it's yeah. so important and it's so different but also sometimes active listening to me is, a, is another layer it's like adding to what you're hearing you know like by adding your own mood and personal yeah, not just own mood but actually hearing stuff that's not there in the music oh I see right. adding things to it not necessarily like a baseline. But just playing with it, <laughs> yeah. playing with it, going, what if I felt the one here for a while? Oh, is it, yeah, what if okay, I, yeah. Just being really active in the way that you interpret what's you're actually, going on. So, yeah, you're playing with it mentally sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. do it with nature, I think, really easily because it's so disorganized and we can't... But there is an organization there when you listen to nature and you can't figure it out. Yeah. And you're like, ah, 
I want to figure this out. And that makes you an active listener, I, I think. Yeah. Because you're trying to put this stuff together. But when music becomes so predictable, like so much music that we get now, yeah. because people want to hear, want to get that sensation of, I know what's coming up next, which is a powerful yeah. emotion to get. Yeah. Um, well, that's the music. This in- there's so much music that's intentionally written yeah. exactly for that purpose yeah. to be predictable. <laughs> like, that's yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose that's, in answering your question about why I'm developing this trance, yeah. this morphing kind of yeah. thing, I think that's it. It's like, that's the, that's the kind of yeah. vibe you want to kind of create. Yeah. Yeah. And there's plenty of groups that do it, whether it's the necks or as well, like the, oh, just sit on something and slowly absolutely. evolve it into yeah. something else. I guess when I was asking about the audience thing, it wasn't so much that I was like, oh, do you think there is an audience for right. what you're talking about? Because I know that there would be. I guess I'm more asking as well, is that important to you? You know, oh. like, because it's it's funny, you know, like in in my musical life, I've kind of, oscillate between that sometimes sometimes i'm like you know uh, and you hear people say like oh you have a certain obligation or something to listeners to do a certain not to do specific things but to entertain them to give them something so does that is that important to you at all or is it or, or do you first and foremost prioritize your own you know satisfaction with music and then that is a sort of a, a additional thing later or, or how do you view it um I think that's why I play so many bands because mm. you get the halfway. You get mm. you get other people listening and other people um, contributing, yeah. collaborating, yeah. filtering. Like mm. I find it hard to, to play on my own because of that reason. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think I base it more on that than on the success of, a, of an audience or... Yeah. So you're always wanting to like, yeah, collaborate with other, other people and get their perspective on it. That's part yeah. of it as well, right? It's like, yeah. And, 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 you know, working with great musicians is, it's, it pushes you. It, mm. if, if you're open enough to their ideas, mm. things just morph yeah. organically yeah. into other things and yeah. you get, the um, satisfaction of, of their, you know, them loving it. So you don't need the audience as much, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get your own satisfaction as well of yeah. creating something. So I think, yeah, I think that's my foremost. And then I think the band situation is just a whole organism in itself, right? As soon as you enter that relationship with other people, mm. the aspirations or where that goes is a whole other yeah element you know yeah yeah like I just went all the way to Berlin to do one gig to 10 people with a musician from New York alright oh, so this is that ground, ground, ground control. control okay yeah tell me a bit about that too, our yeah. relationship you know like yeah we I was already in London yeah he was going to Berlin for a gig we both had well paid gigs that were getting us to that part of the world um so we decided to meet up and play and, and before we played I kind of Realized I would have been happy just recording with him. Yeah. Having the audience there, though, meant that it was a thing, an event. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something we had to rock up for and had to step up to. There's a weird psychology involved there, isn't it? It's like something about 
the, the space or whatever, like and making it official, it makes it, yeah, it legitimizes it. And, yeah, but you know, there's two people I met on the t- plane that came that never like to a tiny experimental kid. Well, you mean you just met them on the plane, you're like, hey, I'm doing this thing, and then yeah. they take well, we, we, we all had a cancelled flight, so it was actually kind of intense. We were running around trying to figure out how to, but we were all super chilled about it, and we met in the line, this beautiful couple that lived in Berlin. Yeah. And I was like, I um, hope I get there in time for my gig, which was the, the next night, or the night after even. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, I'm a musician. And we started oh, chatting. Yeah, cool, cool. And they came to the gig. Oh, that's great. You know, and that that's a connection. Now, like, I feel like, yeah. That's a social connection that you yeah. that you want to get from playing in front of people, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, for sure. So this guy, um, so how did that come about, the Grand Patrol thing? The, the guy you knew who he was as a musician and you wanted to play with him? Or was it just, No, I, was, met, I met him through oh, so a friend of mine. Right, yeah. so you met him first. and then, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, met yeah. him when he came to Australia because he was going out with an Australian girl. And, um, and then uh, we had a little play here. We really connected, and then I went to New York a couple of times and connected with him. Oh, right. And then when I lived there in 2016, we went, let's start a project. What are we going to do? Uh, okay, right. So I don't know much about it. It's I've just seen that you've got this album, which is like, how many songs? Four songs. Yeah. So it's and like it a double EP. We're, we're releasing a second EP in a few months. So okay. four songs in each EP. And is it all improvised? All improvised. Yeah, and so I think that's why I thought maybe it was because I knew it kind of happened with he's from New York, did you say? Mm. So I just thought maybe you went over there and just got together with him, recorded this mm. one thing, improvised, and then that was it. So, yeah. so that was separate to the, the Berlin gig was a gig, another gig, yeah. all yeah. totally separate yeah. improvised sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. We'd also done a gig in in in, uh, in New York before we finished, before I left New York. Sorry, right? Um, so you've done quite a few then, a few bunch with him, yeah. Yeah, only a couple. Only, oh, only okay. One in New York and one in Berlin. Okay. Um, but we did but then the recording as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we've done three days of recordings, mixing stuff. And the mixing part was really interesting because their improvisations, they're, they're imperfect. Mm. But they've also got something to them that you can't compose. Absolutely. And yeah. we had improvised with each other enough before we went into the studio yeah. to get a real sense of... Feel for each other's... Yeah playing yeah there's something really interesting about uh, i can't remember it was i think it was you know do you know benny greb the drummer Mm. he's this guy like i I hadn't heard of him until quite recently but all of a sudden he seems to have just like appeared on everyone's radar and i was like benny greb's guy he's phenomenal player like an amazing touch dynamics all of that stuff that i love in drummers but um he said you know he said something that i I, that really resonated with me he's like when people talk about playing an instrument that's exactly what what you really optimally want to be aiming for is playing it. Two people are not playing their instruments, mm. you know, playing the way a kid plays, mm. you know, when you watch a kid play with, with a ball, with their friends and all this yeah, sort of yeah, stuff, yeah. it's this beautiful free form. It's not, it's not super, it's not composed. It's not contrived. It's just mm. this really free flowing experience. Mm. And I think that the way that people play with each other musically, that's really what you want as well as like mm. playing with the person. So when people say, oh, I played with this person, often it's not that you're playing with them in that sense, right? It's like people going, you go to the studio, it's very like, you know, it's very rigid and whatever. Yeah. So this is such an important part of improvisation, mm-hmm. right, that is missing. Mm-hmm. Playing. With oh, we gave person. each other high fives after we each improv. We were just like, yeah, like little kids. Yeah. We just, we loved it. That's awesome. And there was like so much respect for 
the parts that we were kind of creating and sitting in and kind of just found the style where we were like, we don't want to make this sound improvised. It has to sound composed. So that was an intention. Even though it's completely improvised. Yeah, so, I'd and, say so. And apart from just that thought, did in the terms of the way you actually played it, did that? No, but I was definitely right. sitting in that world of morphing rhythms. Yeah, okay. He was definitely sitting in the world of creating loops that were kind of out of sync to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that was what was interesting about But those. did you talk about what you were going to do at all? No. Like, what, how, what your intentions were? So it was pretty much, it was, yeah. Yeah, we, totally we didn't need to. Yeah. 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 The funny thing is, is every time I reference something, he never heard of it. <laughs> right. Like, but you mean so, in terms of what you thought you might have bit sounded yeah. like or something, yeah. right? Like, he's but that's such a brilliant musician, but we've listened to really different stuff. That's, all, kind of cool. that's awesome. Yeah. I love that, right? It's so great. It's when, weird that it happens though when, and you still click. Yeah. I, I find. Yeah. But also when you, true, true. Um, maybe that's sort of something to do with him living in New York or something as well. Maybe, is it? I don't know. Like just being in a different part of the world, but you'd be, maybe. You know, but you'd still think, it, okay, well, so what are some examples? Like he, was there a few bands that you threw out to him and he didn't? No, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if, if he knew Tortoise or right, okay. Dawn of Midi or... Yeah, like pioneers of, of those of kind what of... what I was pushing. Yeah, sure, um, sure. He is just so present in his... in his And so original mm. that he he didn't ever really reference bands. That's what I like. He, he, he well, references things. He make, references yes, nature. He sure. references... You know, oh, man. And look, that's... I think... That's something where that's how I think I've changed a little bit in how I approach music as well. Is like you grow up playing music, you learn you learn how to play, and you're always thinking about oh this band and that band or this this particular musician, blah blah blah. And, yeah. and and when people ask you, you know, what your band sounds like, you might throw out a few band names, but like I think it's, you've got to get out of that headspace mm. at some point, right? Yeah. And start being like, well, what inspires you? It's like, well, just yeah. the world, just yeah. everything around me, yeah. you know. And it's like as soon as you stop trying to sound like another band and you start actually listening to your own yeah. kind of voice or whatever, then there's something, that's what makes the unique stuff. I think the yeah. most the most unique bands out there are the ones that usually when you ask them, yeah, it's like, well, what are your influences? It's like, well, I can tell you what my influences are, but I wouldn't say we're definitely not trying to sound like anybody. We're yeah. just playing our thing. We're just playing, you know? Well, I, I think one one time when we were chatting about, you know, me and Kyle from, from Grand, Grand Patrol about what to write for a blurb or something, which is really hard for us. Um, we realized that along the lines of what you're saying, that we were reacting to things. Yeah. We weren't necessarily inspired by things. We we're more often reacting to things yeah. than being inspired by them. Yeah. So I love Dawn of Midi and that album blew my mind. Just snow me eyes. Yeah. And I put it on a lot, but I didn't want to make that album. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, well, how do I react to that? What, mm. what, and the, my reaction was, well, their album is on the grid the whole way through. It's 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 immaculate mm. how on the grid it is. Mm. But I don't want to be on the grid. I want to be more organic. And I don't want to write it out like they do. I want to keep it improvised. Yeah. Um, all those things that start, like, the next huge inspiration. But yeah. I want to move a lot quicker than that. I want to move, like, how much they move in 10 minutes in 
30 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to I wanna have the listener hear that it's moving, but not know where it's moving. Yeah. So all these ways of reacting yeah. to, to mm. things. Um, and I guess it's also like it is sort of being, it's almost like you're being inspired by broader concepts within the band rather than specific yeah. things that they're doing as well, right? It's yeah. like more general vibes or something, yeah. 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 But also with improvising, it's like, okay, I want to improvise, but I don't want it to sound improvised. I want a, re- a reaction to that improvised music scene that I'm in a lot, which is, sounds like improvised music a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, and a lot of that music is, is at least when I was playing a lot 15 years ago, was about creating a space that didn't, um, what was the word? In, in pinch on the other musicians too much. If a sax player wanted to squeal and, and, and do their thing, yeah. and you played a funk groove, it would kind of crack <laughs> their style a bit. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the freedom came from kind of exploring the stuff that you were listening to on a very high level, but you weren't necessarily forcing anyone down any particular genre or yeah. anything. But then that becomes its own genre. And yeah, you yeah, break yeah. that and you try to, you know. Yeah. And I think... A lot of improvisers now are into this concept of how do I improvise something really compositional? Yeah. Either really droney, really minimal, really moody, or, yeah, you know, I suppose that's where we come from, is that mm. school of, like, an idea that slowly morphs. Yeah. yeah. So you want to um, – so there's, after listening back, is there any – because I have this what, – what happens to me sometimes is I'll do an improvised thing – and then I'll listen back and, and if there's parts that you naturally improvise, there's parts you like more than others, mm. right, generally. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's always tempting to go, oh, it's tempting to take that improvised, the good bits, and mm. turn it into a more com- composed yeah. sort of thing. Is, it, is that Does that happen to you or is, are you more like it's part of improvising is, is – just playing it itself. It's not even about going back and listening to it, you know? We tried to explore a couple of ideas again. Like, so at the gig, we actually, in New York, we played a couple of tracks off the album or interpretations of them. Yeah, I have a little... But they were very much interpretations. So we're like, let's start here. We don't know where we're going to go from it. Yeah. It might start going in that direction like on the album, but it could go anywhere. And it did, and that was kind of... That was nice. Mm. But um, I think it would be really hard to relearn those improvisations. Partly yeah. because the way the loops are on the guitar and the way we play against them, that they're not in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Well, yeah, that's true, actually. We, in the, that particular case of Ground Patrol, it's like, yeah, it's 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 so free-flowing that, yeah. yeah, like if you were to try to relearn it, you'd automatically have to simplify it, yeah. which would be losing a bit of a point, yeah. big point exactly. of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, it's tricky. Like, I'm sitting on this these hours of improvisation um, with different musicians in New York that I didn't have the same connection with that, as Kyle, but I definitely respected a lot. Mm. Um, and I'm like, how do I turn this into something that I want to put out there for people to yeah, listen to? Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. With Grand Patrol, it just automatically came out like that. I was like, yeah, this is, I'll put that out yeah. there. I really dig this. Oh, yeah, it's great, yeah. Whereas... Because it was so tight as a sound as well and a concept, yeah. whereas the other stuff is like, hmm. Well, that's also big. Uh, is that also big? Maybe it's a little bit easier to do that with a duo as well. I don't know. Yeah, or, maybe. Or, I don't know. But yeah, when I listened to that, the first track off um, Ground Patrol, the one that you had the little video up yeah, for. Yeah, Drift. And like, it took me a while. Like, I was 
going, is this improvised? Like, is this... And that was the beauty of it. It was like... Yeah. I don't even know. It was, was really nice because that was improvised. That And that's... Yeah. Like, right. that's part of the, the clip is this guy in the room moving around. Yeah. That's cool. It just seems so... I sure don't like to use the word, but organic, right? Like, but that's, that was the vibe of it, definitely, mm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then did you also do some stuff? Is it with Trevor Dunn as well? Did that yeah. happen? That was Is that one of the people you were really kind yeah. of referring to? Yeah, so we did a so gig, we did some improvs. We... So you did a few improv shows with him? No, we did one improv show, but a few, like... Just you and him? Yeah. Yeah. With the with the, with the air sticks. With the air sticks. So the wow. concept for that, I wasn't quite sure what would be the first day I kind of got in there and I was So you did rehearse with them first? No. Well we just played. Yeah. Like there was no really let's I mean that did you again. so did you did you improvise? Oh before the gig, yeah. You got, yeah, yeah, you yeah. did all that, yeah. Yeah, two or three times. Yeah, actually he wouldn't have I don't <laughs> Hey you were a rock up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and he was really generous and he was developing his own shit. That that was what was exciting. Like, cool. Had this new, so, yeah. new pedal that had this whack, like granular synthesis stuff on it, and it was he playing double bass or, no, or electric. electric? Electric, yeah. We tried both. Yeah. We tried double bass with me sampling it, and he actually really liked that. <laughs> um, it was harder for me, but he really liked it. But at the time, I was just more into the idea of playing this these weird synth sounds really all techery um out of time grooves and him setting up these really abstract bass lines and then playing some high melodies on top of it that was, was he looping of, or anything or he was just he was yeah but it was with a more abstract looper that was doing like weird like yeah okay yeah arrhythmic kind of stuff yeah a bit more yeah so we called it monitoring because he's obsessed with with platypus of course right mr bungle yeah 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 yeah, yeah. well he's just obsessed with platypus like um (laughs) it's a bizarre animal it's yeah and and i think i think it was a good name because it was it didn't quite make sense what we were doing (laughs) um like yeah so is it pretty experimental like yeah it's pretty out there. Are we going to be able to hear this stuff, or is there's it like- a few excerpts on SoundCloud? Okay, um, but I, of the, I, of the that the yeah improv, of, the, the, of the, an improv we did. Okay, um, I bet I mean like of the and then the, the gig, gig we have we have a, I have a filming of it and oh cool I don't know and I just need to cut it to the filming and, and yeah. put it out there just as oh. a thing. Wow, that's that's yeah. great. So so you came, both came away from it going like, yeah, that was interesting oh, yeah, and it was fun. Cool. And I, I think we both wanted maybe to add a singer. Oh, yeah. Um, he knew someone. And I, and I was also... He knows the, a guy called Mike Patton. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not, not Mike. Okay. <laughs> but I think well, I was in a headspace as well in New York where I wanted to meet people. Yeah. So just connecting with Trevor and being able to grow the band maybe into other people, meet other people. That's awesome. Is, um, do you know... Yeah. I, like I've never been to New York. Is it? Is that pretty common in New York for like? Because I know there's a lot of amazing music there. Do you think it's common for people to kind of just be like? Is there like this community vibe of musicians and people playing with each other and all this sort of stuff? Or yeah, definitely. Like anywhere. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but it's just there's so much going on. Yeah. I, I was lucky enough to go out and see Cobra by 
I saw on one one, oh, right. one night. Wow. And Trevor and Jim Black were playing it, and I'd already hung out with them quite a bit. Oh, Jim Black, who what is he playing? He's um, he. I think someone only showed me Jim Black recently, and I was like, this guy's one of my favorite drummers. For, yeah, for decades. Yeah, what band? <laughs> um, couple of things. Well, Alas No Access is his. That's I think project. one of the thing that that Dave should, Yeah, but he's played with Laurie Anderson. Yeah, this uh, guy is like Tiny someone Beltrio that just. And, just, yeah, I missed him somehow, but heard it recently. It was amazing, yeah. yeah. So it was him and... Trevor. Oh, it was a huge band for, oh, right. for, for Cobra. Like, right, of course. Yeah, okay. But after it, just hang in. And, That's um, awesome. There was definitely a bit of a hang. But I guess, like, so, you know, there are some busy cities or whatever, like, you know, when, when I was in the UK and went to London quite a bit, and but, like, some busy, you know, metropolitan areas mm. almost too busy that, that there's so much going on that it's actually harder to connect with people. Yeah. All these, they end up finding these little isolated pockets of stuff. Yeah. Did you get, is what's the kind of vibe, or were you not there long enough to kind of know? Yeah, what? Prob- I was probably not long, uh, there long enough, but every time I went to a gig with someone, I, I started bumping into people. Yeah. But Melbourne's got that vibe as well. It's true. And Melbourne's incredible. It's like, Sydney that does it, that has yeah, not that you vibe. You meet people at gigs in Melbourne. Yeah. You go to a gig yeah. a few nights later, and maybe I'm oh, on like man. that kind of, Search when I'm in Melbourne because I'm travelling and I want to go and see. Some yeah, that's, shows, that but, makes a difference. I but think, you bump well, yeah. the same people. And you go, hey, I just met you the other night, oh, and we've lost that in oh, dude, in yeah. life. It's you know, crazy. And yeah. gigs are the people, place to yeah. do that to to actually meet people in person, to not get their number, to not get their Facebook, mm. not know anything more about them than seeing them again at the next gig and going, hey, how you going? Yeah. And yeah, that's true. I, man. I find yeah. that the the dock in Sydney is a place that I feel that is happening to an extent. Yeah, you know the townie was that place for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, as as awful as that place is. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, and maybe as we get older, we also we, we have families and yeah, well, yeah. I don't. But yeah, <laughs> um, you 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 don't go out to to um to as often and yeah. But it is true that, I mean, that's one big thing I noticed about Melbourne and plenty of other places that is not Sydney. Basically, yeah. people were like, what are you doing tonight? We're going out to, see, we're going out to see some bands. Yeah. They're like, do you know who the bands are? No. No. But we're going out to see music. Because exactly. we're like, oh, you know. <laughs> we're, missing that. we're missing that. And New York, that's, it's insane. Like, the way I looked at it when I was living there is if you made a decision to go out, which you would most nights... You'd probably be missing between six to ten things that you really wanted to see because you could only yeah. capture the one thing. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes yeah. you'd actually get overwhelmed and go, well, I'm, I, if I'm going to miss that many things, I'm just not going to go out at all. It's going to miss them all. <laughs> miss them all. Hey, <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to stay at home and watch Netflix. <laughs> but um, when you got yourself out, it's just incredible. Incredible standards. So you, you got all these people now that you've kind of hooked up with over there and it's, it's, it's a funny thing once you – you make these relationships with people and then obviously yeah you, you, yeah now we're back all the right recording here. Has, been, has been good that's yeah connecting yeah. through people like that's a greater thing yeah, yeah there's like so. a, a guitarist in Philly every time I go and visit him we record something and right. this time awesome. I think we came up with some really beautiful things in this in one session that we had like we probably did about three or four like hour slots of improvising and by the end we really found something that was really cohesive. And, yeah, awesome. um, yeah, we're going to release that. Um, I don't know when. It's ready. 
So we're just trying to figure out the avenue. He usually releases stuff on his own label, so probably go out on that. But I, I got Jane Sheldon to overdub some little snippets of vocals on it because it's very, really abstract. Yeah. Extremely yeah. minimal drones on the guitar with some like really light percussion and then her voice kind of trying to meet in between those elements. Great. Because she, she does stuff with, with John Zorn related yeah. stuff, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. So she lives over there too, doesn't she? She did. She's now moved oh. to the mountains. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's moved okay. back. But she was like the 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 classical arm of John Zorn. Right. He, he he. I think he has a bit of a separation between the classical musicians and the and the improvisers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great to have that though, right? If everyone's in the same is in the same sort of realm of musician. Oh, yeah. all incredible musicians. It, yeah, that's great. But doing kind of the separate. Yeah. Exactly. So, can you so tell me a bit? About um, talking about Jane Sheldon, who was in Gauche as well. Mm. So, so that band that was actually the first time I ever saw you play. Right. And I, I don't know if you, if you remember this gig, but I believe it was um, Sydney Uni Band Comp. Okay, this was like we lost. we're probably talking to yeah. Well, I think we we all we both both our bands <laughs> lost. I think yeah. It was I can't remember. It was I don't think we made a semi. I think that was a semi final. That was the semi final. Yeah. I don't think I, we made the final. Right. I don't remember now. I don't remember it. But anyway, I just remember we lost. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I remember is losing. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I was playing and you were playing and I I think you guys played before us. Right. And I remember just being like, whoa, these guys are amazing. What is this? I've never heard anything like this. It was like the first time just hearing something that was so out there. And that was because I can't even remember what you were playing. But basically... I guess you were playing a normal kit, but maybe you had some extra pads or something. So this is early days, but yeah. like I would have had lots of pads. That, that would have been, yeah, it would have been. It. But like this is in the this is in the time when like I mean everyone's got the SPDs and the mm. pads now or whatever, right? Mm. Like, but like at the time I'd never seen that sort of integration yeah, right. of the. It was really new to me, but but not just that what you were using, but the way you were playing as well, man. Like the that really kind of like I guess it's sort of like a drum and bassy, very glitchy electronic style of playing. And I'd never heard anything like that up until that point. So that was really inspiring to me. And um, yeah, and so so yeah, I'm kind of wondering: is that so? How did that come about? So we're going way back now. We're kind of like: is that something you've always been kind of interested in? Is this like bringing electronic and stuff together, or was it not even really thought about? It's just natural kind of kind of thing. No, I suppose yeah. That that was probably the era, like what in my late teens that I was getting into Aphex Twin and all yeah, the yeah. boards of Canada. And, mm. um, even before that, a bit of drum and bass and stuff. Um, and it was just, how does the, how do the drums fit into this? Yeah. Was, was, I suppose my thing. Um, and Bjork, like I was like Vespa team and stuff. Like, yeah. Like, great. Oh, yeah. How do I, as a drummer, interpret this stuff? And, and yeah, and and yeah, I, I, so that that's that's probably what was happening there. But also, Ghost was a sweet collection of people. Yeah, that's kind of what and made it we, so amazing, it was, right? Is just the types of pl- like the playing styles. Yeah. within that was so eclectic. So, eclectic. but just I'm kind of really amazed at how how it worked because sometimes you get. Those kinds of stuff, you know, such differences in some ways. Yeah. Everybody's so idiosyncratic, so mm. unique in their way. But like, 
sometimes that just can totally not work. Everyone's playing all over each other. There's a lot of bands like that. Heaps mm-hmm. of like super groups and things where you go, oh, that guy's amazing. They're amazing. They're amazing individually. You get them to play, play in a band and they're kind of just all playing over each other. They're not really communicating. So how did that work that it could, it just was so well crafted as well, right? Like, I think we got really lucky. Me, me and Julian really connected, and Julian's a really minimal player. Mm. Like, he really hears a whole thing when he's playing. Yeah. He doesn't really just hear And he totally part. knows when, like, it's he's one of those guys, the spaces and all that is, is just as important yeah. as the battle. It's really, and, and by the end of, of Ghost's career, by the last album, like, when I put that album on again once a year or whatever I do, it's the guitar parts that really stick up for me because they're so subtle. Yeah. And especially in electronic music, he realizes that it's not electronic music, it's a band, but he knows the aesthetic we're going for. So he sits way back and just mm. creates parts that I just thought were, yeah, super confident and correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah I suppose yeah, yeah. it's one word, but yeah, also, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I, he, he was a big part of it. And we were, I suppose, the core of it. And me going out with, with Jane at the time meant that obviously me and her were very involved in it. Mm. Um, and we all brought songs. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So how much Sometimes, you brought your own kind yeah, of... Yeah, but the approach was very different. So Luke might bring a song. Uh, yeah, he probably brought a song oh, or two the whole time. Now. John might have brought a song. Luke, Luke Dubber. Oh, Luke Dubber yeah. was in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, and he is just a sound guru. Like, he would just bring his synth and know exactly what sound, yeah. voicing, all that stuff would work in there. Um and same with John at the time, like he, he, he's, his attention to sound on a double bass and effects was so yeah, interesting. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And I know he's moved on from that since he's more about portability and just playing yeah, everywhere yeah. and like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, he, he brought an element that That's oh, no one else could have brought. Some so, of those like distorted bass lines were amazing and I and, and again like you hear that kind of I guess what I was getting is a lot of the stuff you guys were doing that's one example is you, you hear that kind of thing now and other stuff yeah. but it's like at the time it was just like oh. way ahead of our time it, it really <laughs> was in terms of what I'd heard anyway you know like it was yeah um, but yeah and then and Jane bringing the, the, the more classical stuff yeah, to it exactly, but also yeah. the Bjork stuff and the, um, all the stuff that we were listening to together um, Barbara Morgenstern or like like odd like rough trade stuff from Europe or yeah, Norton, yeah. you know the Icelandic band like all those influences were coming across but Portishead was probably a strong one but they were filtered so much by everyone's input because mm. um, Julian would bring complete songs because he could hear them because he has that he can hear that whole thing yeah, yeah, yeah. I would bring an idea and maybe a second idea and, and a strong drum part, maybe a, a bass line and a chord structure. Um, and I couldn't bring any more. I, I, I found, I would find it hard to tell Luke what sound to play or how to play it. Mm. I'd find it hard to tell, you know, Jane what melody to write or John what bass line to lay down to this. So, yeah. But I think having that variation in approaches exactly. makes adds another level exactly. of diversity to the music, right? If you, you might have a really interesting, you know, compositional style, but if you always use that same way around the songs, it's, you're going to yeah. get similar sort of results. You know? exactly. so, so that's awesome to mix But I think it like also that. feeds into the different processes. Yeah. So when Julian brings a whole song and everyone kind of knows their part straight out, 
and maybe says, hey, can we change this chord to this or can we change the structure a little bit here? Like there's that kind of input. Mm. And because the musicians are so strong, you can actually try that straight away. Yeah, there was never yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to try that. Yeah. Because it'll take too long to figure out. Like yeah, it was always yeah, like, yeah. let's try that. Let's listen. No. And that's more okay. reactive what you're saying yeah. as well, right? That's like almost, yeah. Exactly. But that's I think scary. those songs that would give you energy for the next song where you had to figure out a lot more of, of what to do with it. Yeah. As a band, you know? Yeah. And that would feed that again. So when you got another tune that was more written, then you go, oh, I'm actually free to interpret this a little more. Yeah. No, so, that's, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's really cool. I actually do think, I, I've thought about this a lot, I, I think one of my favorite um, situations as a musician is sitting down in a rehearsal room with, with great musicians and just working on something. Like whether I don't know if developing sort of, an you mean developing an idea together like starting with something okay um, like the renovators is a really good example I don't know if you, if you ever saw that band with I don't I missed it actually yeah was it was mixture mixture yeah okay and, and Luke and we would just fire at each other ideas like and there was a it was a covers band essentially right but this like, is in your but with the intention of writing something or you mean just arranging, you know, what, arranging, arranging something that arranging something that already exists as a couple, yeah. as a couple, a- yeah. arranging the fuck out of it right like, okay completely flipping on its head and trying to get in, inside it and, and make a bit of a you know have a bit of fun with it yeah and and bring out the elements that we see in it but being a covers band because I never saw it what was the the intention was the was it the intention it was a covers band you wanted well, people to was it a songs that he brought in that but was we, it a covers band that was making people dance and enjoy it or was it like supposed to be more cerebral or what what kind of I suppose it's both right because okay. it's like oh they're playing you know um, back is black <laughs> but you know wow I didn't realise it would go as there as a polka yeah exactly or whatever. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, so the arrangements was, the, was the, the really fun part of it for me it's like Playing with musicians like that and yeah. throwing things at each other. So that was kind of what I was going to ask, I suppose, was because with, the, I guess, thinking of a you know, bit more broader picture on it is with Ghost, it was like, to me, it sounded like, you know, very amazingly composed, very intricate, you know, like, but then now you're talking about all this you know, improvisation is a big part of it. So is it kind of like, have you changed your viewpoint on those things? You, you just said then that, yeah, you're still like working on stuff with people, but do you have a, is there a sort of preference now? Do you see it coming like, oh, you know, you want to, you want to go more down the improvisation path you, or you miss a, you miss really like carefully composing stuff or, um, or you, maybe you're still doing that as well, I guess. I, I really like, yeah, I, I am doing a lot of careful compositions, if you want to call it that, like in, this, in the solo piece that I did. Right, the, okay, the, the, the hour? The hour. Yeah, which that is was, the, the, probably the other thing that I wanted to talk about. That was completely yeah. composed. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to put anyone through learning any of that. <laughs> like, I suppose that's my approach. Yeah, it's yeah. like, if I'm going to compose something, I'm going to make it impossible to play. <laughs> because there's a computer there that can do that. Yeah. And my part, my drumming part, I'm going to push myself to the limits of what I feel comfortable playing with in that. It seems like my more recent projects are more improvised. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's partly a reaction to not having a lot of good gigs. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like... You, you, oh, okay, you mean you, your you reaction know, is you go and then go, I'm going to improvise stuff because, you yeah. know. Like... Yeah, how many more people are you going to get to a gig where you've, uh, you know, 
this is a probably like, oh, I put all this time and effort into this yeah. thing. And like, like it happens to so many of us musicians. You go, yeah. I put all this time in this thing and uh, no one really notices the difference. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm you've gotten lazy is what you're saying. No. <laughs> I've kind of made a rule that if, if, if I work with other professional musicians or visual artists or directors or whatever, that I want to get paid for it myself and pay them. Yeah. So I'm not really going to put on... Like the hour, we were lucky enough to have Campbelltown give us a space for two weeks, pay us a salary mm. for two weeks to develop a show. It's not ideal, like, but it's amazing. Oh, that's you know, cool. like you rarely get that as a musician. As in yeah. the theatre world, you get that a lot more often where you get to rehearse yeah. for four weeks. Or, oh know, man! In yeah. a theatre before you, you put on a play. Oh, this is exactly like yeah. what I was talking to someone about recently. Is that? Yeah, I was lucky enough when I lived in Oxford to have a similar thing. I got an arts grant to do this show with this duo I was doing. And, and But just to have the space, and that's exactly right, to have the space to rehearse in and set the place up and, and yeah. get used to the acoustics and all that stuff yeah. is totally missing from most music. Literally yeah. rock up to the venue, plug and play. It's the same. You know what I mean? It's just so missing. But, yeah, so, um, so you got – so you said two weeks you got to – to work with two visual artists and a, and a sound designer um, slash composer. So I brought a, a relatively complete piece and I had a pretty good idea of where I wanted it to go. And I'd already started working with one of the visual artists, an animator who was taking my, my MIDI tracks and converting them into visuals. So in one segment of the piece, I had a, a really simple beat happening 60 beats per minute and slowly over the next 30 seconds, a beat at 62 beats per minute would fade mm. in. And then another one at 64 and 66 and so forth. And each beat was tuned in relation to how f- much faster it was than the other one. Oh, right. Wow. Related to what we were talking about. Exactly. Before, right? Yeah. But, you know, we worked on how do we visualize this? Mm. And we came up with some, I, I thought, some really interesting things. Yeah. And then mixed within that, I then played drums on top of that and I then wrote some parts on top and the sound designer helped a lot to write some extra bits to kind of make it more of a piece than just yeah. these kind of experiments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I saw the, um, uh, all I got to see was just the highlights or something, which was right. super short. It was like, yeah, what, three minutes. yeah, exactly. And yeah, it looks incredible. Like, is that something that you see? So did you record? Have you got, a, is there a full recording? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there is, right? Like, is, is that, out there can people watch no, it or no well I want to do it again and yeah okay so then yeah so you want to yeah keep doing and it and I've only yeah. done it twice right um, so I did it at Vivid Festival part of the Con uh, program which oh, was cool. wonderful um, in Jan- in July mm. but yeah I hope to do it again so I, it's I, this it's this written complete thing now complete thing. and and you're planning to more or less keep it you keep performing that as a sh- that's the show yeah. kind of thing. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. If, yeah. if the money comes through again and I'll develop it a bit further. Mm. So when we did a Vivid, I did write an extra track I felt was kind of missing in the middle right. that was still based on the same elements. Yeah. Um, the whole show is basically based on um, this relationship between pitch and rhythm mm-hmm. explored in, in a, through um, a, basically – it starts with these um, different beats that have different pitches. And you can't really detect that one of them's being at 19 per bar, another one's at 17, another one's 13, 11. 
right. they were the prime numbers I wanted to use and they created this melody and that was the main thing. And from there, it slowly morphs into 12 over 15 over 20, <laughs> which is something I've kind of been obsessing for a while because it's 12 over 15 over 20 is actually groups of three, four and five played against each other. Mm. Which is this rhythm that I think you were talking about it recently, right? Where you just, yeah. you, you had to, you spent ages just learning to play it first, right? Like just the three, five. It, it didn't take as long as I oh, thought okay. to, to play it, which what which surprised me because right. I actually wrote it for three dancers. Oh, okay. and, and in this piece that I worked on in, in Glasgow with the same sound designer that worked on the hour, Danny Kraus, we had three dancers and one of them was deaf. And we thought we'll use the technology we have, which is these sub packs that we wanted to use to, have them sync up and hear, so they can feel, feel the, the oh that's awesome exactly. but we kind of used it in a very different way we set them three different pulses and I wanted those pulses to be related so I set them in groups of three groups of four groups of five talking like quavers groups yep. ends up being a 12 over 15 over 20 kind of thing so when they were playing in groups of six it would take a certain amount of time to overlap yeah yeah so yeah, one yeah. person would do a move with a six beat move and it would take the other person a lot slower and yeah it was really great to watch yeah, they would sync yeah. up at different times yeah that's cool yeah, yeah um but that was kind of a major premise for the for the hour and it also everything was at 60 beats per minute so and it was my intention with the hour was to pull and stretch an hour of time so that when people leave it they were right. like that was way longer than an hour or yeah, that yeah, was yeah, not yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I, I, well, absolutely. That's something that you seem to have always been interested in, just from you know listening to what, you, what you've been doing is just messing with people's perceptions, right? That's right. a big thing, isn't yeah. it? Like it's just yeah, perception of of time, I suppose. Mm. Of, of yeah, uh, I'm still a long way from figuring that out properly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So that that was the hour, and I I um the last project I had where I wrote complicated music for other people. I just felt like I was forcing them to learn the stuff that was unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah. There is something about learning to play complicated things and and, and embodying them and, and then being able to improvise around them or yeah. give your own element to it, of course. But yeah. it just, I don't know, in Sydney with the type of musician I was playing, it just didn't seem like the right use of, of yeah. the time. and. The other thing is whenever you do your own own thing, you're always going to know your own thing so much deeper than anybody else can. Mm-hmm. Not, no matter how much you explain it to them or show yeah. them, you always understand your thing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like by giving it to somebody else, that's really? a beautiful thing to obviously yeah. share it with other people. But naturally, if you have this very strong vision of what you want it to be, that's you're going to have to compromise on that yeah. with other people, which yeah. can be good. But sometimes if you're like, yeah. this is what I want to do. Completely you kind of have to do it yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you, for me, it, it depends on your aesthetic, but you might as well just record it. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no real reason to get people to learn that stuff for you. The, <laughs> the, 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 the reason would be, and it did occur in this project, the project was called Falkland, and it was with Joshua Hearn, oh, right, yeah. I played with a lot yeah. uh, in the sticks, and we used to have a duo called The Business. Oh, I suppose yeah. as a duo... We, you know, fucked with each other as much as possible. We tried to make the most complicated, non-repetitive music that we could remember without ever writing it down. 
yeah. based on number sequences. Was it, so was it kind of a yeah? Can you say a bit more about that? So the, was it? A, it was a game as well, right? Like you guys were kind of challenging each other, or was well, that the, something the only that came element out? that was a sport because <laughs> we're we're in Australia was that if someone <laughs> fucked up, they'd have to say fuck as quickly as possible, <laughs> and if they didn't say fuck quickly enough, and the other person heard that they made a mistake, they would call them a cunt, <laughs> which would often mean that you would fall off track of what you were doing and then you would end up making a mistake. And did that off usually happen or like? More for me. I I, I, I always, I'd always claim that his parts were easier because <laughs> he was playing bass and I was playing drums, but um, he he could probably play the drum parts better than I <laughs> So he, he won a lot of the gigs. Yeah. But also that's just a hilarious thing like contrasted with, because we're talking about like super like techie, <laughs> Choppy music, the right? Most like possible it's for us, so yeah. ridiculous. But then on top of that, you've got yeah. this weird like challenge going on. Like fuck, yes. Yeah, but to, to us, it was it was um, to try to put people in in a space of complete non repetitiveness mm. to, to, that they couldn't grab onto anything at any time, and it just kept moving. And it was kind of about the theater of it as well, mm. about watching these two people really push each other. Yeah. Um, you know, so it makes sense for us to have, create that other layer of, of theatre to it, I suppose. Yeah, and that's, again, that's something that is also missing from a lot of music, I think, is, like, just adding those theatrical elements. Or, like, you know, it's there, but yeah. people do it in the same way yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So it was also, was there something like you were trying to develop a language or something? I remember um, yeah, Josh was some, telling me there was yeah. an idea that you were going to, like... There was definitely some calls. Well, I think the, the part that I enjoyed the most was um, uh, a section where if, if I played the hi-hat, it would trigger a certain riff. If I played... He'd have to crash, play a certain it, riff, kind of thing. Well, we'd play... Oh, together, yeah, but you'd both launch yeah. into... Yeah. So you could jump to that at any point? Like what within the, this section. Okay, right. So yeah. if I remember correctly, if I approached the hi-hat... So he would see, I would make it clear that I was going to hit the hi-hat. We would play something like, but if I approached the floor tom, we would know that it would be just, and it would be a sequence. Yeah, right. And the sequence would be reset if I hit the crash. <laughs> so, yeah, it became like this this way of me conducting the bass line. Yeah, wow, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah. In kind of free time. Mm. Which was, yeah, it was really great. And then we had some um, finger move, like codes. <laughs> like the middle finger was a certain thing, the thumb up was another thing. Yeah. And this kind of developed out of playing for a while, or was that the, it, was that the plan from the start to kind of have all these things? Or? No, it was never a plan. I don't just, know what the plan was. I remember jamming together and we just somehow <laughs> landed on the most abstract <laughs> things that were changing every bar. <laughs> And I didn't know him at the time as well. Yeah, like, right. That, that's how we connected. Like, yeah, yeah. I just knew him as this guy that was sitting on a couch watching <laughs> YouTube videos. I only learned then that he didn't live in the house that I met him in. He was just, <laughs> his house was getting rebuilt, so he was like on well, the couch. That's great. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally missed it because I was overseas. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. I just I heard about it. And I was like, oh man, that sounds great. I wish I could see that. But did you? So I I think I actually saw a photo of you guys. You and Lamp recently in a studio, and I was like, "Is this some business? New business?" No, no, no. <laughs> definitely not. No, it was it was for a singer songwriter who has a really minimal ambient aesthetic. Um, I mean, he didn't sing at all. 
in the recording. So minimal that there's yeah, no, exactly. no vocal. So he would set up these drones, some already pre-programmed on his laptop, others live on his guitar, um, and then we just improvised on top of it. Oh, wow. And That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And but our improvisations was definitely inspired by real doom, like, you know, earth and oh. stuff like that. Beautiful. Um, yeah. And when we got bored of that, we moved to some other areas, maybe a bit more like the next or something. But it, he just wanted these worlds for us that's to create. Cool. And it was, re- yeah, it was a wow, really different session. That is totally different. You know, when you said, you know, we went in for a singer-songwriter guy. Exactly. No, <laughs> you expect, expect something totally different. Are they cool? Like, He's like, no, 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 we're just going to You make some vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad that I got, because I got approached by, by Johnny Dance to do it and I... So glad that Lampy was back in time. Josh was mm. back in time, and I could book him for it because he was perfect for that. And he's yeah, cool. Um, but I suppose just going back to what I was saying about the the the, the business, yeah, and the the band Falkland that kind of came out of that. Because then we got Julian from Ghost to join it, and then mm. we got Pliner, Daniel Pliner from the Sticks to join it, and yeah. Simon Frenchy, trumpeter, yeah. And we weren't really sure what we were doing. With it, I uh, I just brought these. I think a similar approach to you brought these kind of drum um, cells, and I kind of had an idea where I wanted them to go, where a B section would be, and mm. and then we developed them. But it took ages because of wow, yeah. the complication of some of these. Sure, yeah. Um, and again, just having that whenever you try to put like a number of musicians yeah. trying to all work together to write yeah. something, like it just. But there were definitely some moments when the, the no way would I write as good a keyboard part as as Dan or a trumpet line as yeah Simon. And those were the moments that I I hold on to from that project. And I still, when I do put that that on, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we got there yeah. <laughs> to that section, and that was. The contribution of the of those guys there, yeah. like, it's huge. Yeah. Um, well, that is the beautiful thing about playing with other musicians. Yeah. And it's like, even when you know someone is, you, you kind of know their sound or their style or whatever. You can never quite predict what that other yeah. person's going to do, and it's it's that's the that's the beauty that's of it, isn't it? When they do their thing, and it's still different to what you, and you're just like, oh, I never would have thought of that. Of course, of course not. You know, like and that's really, I think. Yeah, it's really missing. In, in the scenes that I see when I tour with the, with the bigger bands and yeah. you go to like the big festivals and I see one guy on stage playing electronic music and I'm just like, ah, like we're losing it. We're losing yeah. it on that big scale. Yeah, yeah. And we're definitely losing it particularly in Australia. Like mm. it's the international acts that I see in those festivals that are bringing out bands and yeah. playing together. and Yeah, and it's like partly just because we do lack that kind of community thing in Sydney. Well, well, well it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Going back to that point about theatre though, I think the reason the business had that element of theatre is because I was doing a lot of theatre work. Okay. As well. Yeah. Cause you've also done circus stuff as well. Yeah. And all that so sort of it was stuff, all kind right? of there, yeah. but that's around the same time that I also started that tribute band to a band that didn't exist. Colors. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a complete reaction to, I think, the Sydney scene. Like the, the cover band scene, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. the singer scene. Like, because we always, um, part of our gigs was that the, our singer would run late, but we never had a singer. Yeah. That, and we, yeah. That we'd have to put the audience through 
you know, playing instrumental music. It's like as a punishment or something. So that's what, yeah, I was talking to Gene White the other night about, um, you know, Gene, right? Mm. Yeah. So, and he was saying, oh, I remember seeing the colours at, I think it was High and Dry Festival. And he's, oh, like, I, he's, like, oh, he's like, I don't really remember it, but all I remember was, I'm pretty sure they just sound checked for the whole gig and that was the that was kind of the joke kind of thing. Except the sound guy didn't even didn't know what was going on. And it, and he was trying to like fix stuff no, and, no, and then it's like he played one song at the end or something. No, no, I think I think Matt, who was the sound guy at the time, knew what was going oh, okay. on. I think it was him. Because he got up and sang a song as well. <laughs> so usually usually the concept is that I I book a band and I have all these charts. And it's a tribute band to a band that didn't exist, but people don't know the band didn't exist. Right. We set it up as, as yeah, if you're, yeah, you're, what, you've never yeah. heard of them? Yeah. Oh, you might not have heard of them because they never record anything. How convenient. Yeah. Well, they did record stuff, but you know, their stuff was ruined in the fire in 1977. And there was that time when they threw everything into the Hudson River and, you know. Is that actually part of the... the oh, yeah. If, if, you, if you quiz me on it, I know all these things. I don't mention them in every gig. But if someone... Yeah. yeah. If someone but I'm aware of all that. We made a little documentary about them on YouTube. Oh, where, like, yeah. We released a tribute album. Um, so when we did the tribute show, there were two versions of the show. One was at the interactive comeback show, which was then actually the band coming to Australia and doing their first tour. <laughs> but we hired an actor to tell the audience... I'm the promoter. I'm really sorry they're running late. <laughs> there must be fans of the band here if they want to come up and play some of their songs, of course. And I'd get up and start playing. It was, it was so. Ridiculous. What kind of? Do you know what kind of people were there? Like, did people? Well, we is did, it the kind of thing that people bought tickets to to see a band that they'd never actually heard? We didn't. It wasn't that successful. We had a really bad <laughs> Maybe publicist that's really who disappeared. It actually really ruined me. I like crushed me because I had all these things in place. So this is an actual real publicist we're talking about, yes. not just another part of the story. No, 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 no. <laughs> he was a real publicist. Maybe she did, like, you know, she, she went, was really in on the yeah, exactly. Well, if she did, she ruined me. But yeah, it was that was painful. I put a lot of energy into that, and to have it in that part of the hurdle, like, just fall because we did Melbourne comedy festival which probably wasn't appropriate because it's a comedy festival yeah so, so people automatically say, know it's, yeah. but we did Adelaide Fringe and um, and at the Spiegel tent we had a good time slot but it was just no one came but the people who came got nude which was good really? yeah because it was it just I don't know the show sort of happened. the show inspired know. people to do whatever they needed to do to <laughs> survive the waiting game that was waiting for this band. It was like a waiting for Godo, but for an audience. It's like, how do we get through this as an audience? Like, we can still so you were, create a performance. Yeah, right. Okay. And then we, by the end of the show, we incorporated the voting cards that you might remember from ah, Oral Adventures. Oral Adventures. In. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, that was Oral Adventures, not Oral Adventures. I can't pronounce either of them. <laughs> was it AU? Yeah, it was Oral was that one? Was that oh, one? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. I'd kind of forgotten about that thing until. So, I don't know. I've yeah. always. The trajectory just makes sense to me that always, like. You said at the start before we even started recording to fuck with people, but I, I never thought of it that way. But I. Yeah, no, but that's why I wanted to sort of clarify is because I knew it wasn't that simple, right? I knew there was there's more to it than the. Just, it's not just fucking yeah. with people. It's like. It's, it's thinking about music 
in a much, it's like in a meta sense, right? It's like, how can we go beyond just the sound and the parts? It's like, how, what else can we do? Yeah. Right. This it was that. And yeah. And create a space. Like, yeah. Um, and we, there were some moments that that space was filled really incredibly by people mm-hmm. coming up and singing songs. So often I, 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 I invite friends and, and send them one track or two tracks and say, Hey, at some point in the night, when the, I'll, when the singer hasn't turned up yet, mm. put your hand up as a fan and come up and, and <laughs> say you want to sing the song, right? And it could be a cover as well. It didn't have to be one of the songs that we had written for the band. Because oh, a cover great. we could always justify as, oh, yeah, this was originally by The Colors. It was actually covered by Elton John. You know, you can, they stole it. You know, whatever. Anything can be justified. And it's it created fantastic. this world and game where people felt really... Um, uh, once they got in on the joke, they took it. Yeah, those yeah, yeah, steps. sure, yeah. And sometimes when they didn't get the joke, they took it even further. Like, we had one person one night come up and start telling a story, like a random story. <laughs> like she And she kind of was saying that she was trying startup, uh, stand-up, sorry. Mm. And the band slowly crept in behind her to support her story. Like, we, we thought this is part of the performance. And every time we got to a certain volume, she'd stop and go, can you guys please stop playing? This is like, I want to do my own open yeah. mic thing. It was really weird. And then she started again. We supported her again. Like, you know, if the story was about walking in the street, we did a little, like, whatever it was. We yeah, and it's not like you guys can't do that. Like, yeah. I've seen you guys do that sort Especially of thing. Especially John Maddox well, playing exactly. poets all the time. Exactly. Right? It's like, it would have so, been appropriate. Yeah. So. But she stopped the second time and then kind of ran off the stage. And then her partner got up. And was like, who thinks she should have a fair go? And was, <laughs> so but you would have loved this, oh, right? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. But that's, that's the space you, I think, you know, we want to create something yeah. completely unexpected. And yeah. in, in those situations, particularly when you do it at a bar, no one expects you to lie. Mm. Not for a moment. Like we go to we go to bars and we see musicians and we assume they're being mm. themselves. But especially a fairly elaborate lie as yeah. well. No, yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. you've gone to this effort, it's like you yeah. automatically it's just gonna go over people's heads. Whereas right? it, it, as soon as you put it in the theatre space, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. people enter it assuming you're gonna lie to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. No, that's great. I mean that's kind of and that sort of comes back to the improvisation thing, right? Because it's like you're creating a space where it's it's open it's open ended mm. and it's improvisational not just from a music perspective but from like situational exactly. like there's these exactly. thing, things can happen anything totally can happen. It's anything and that's great it's yeah. you know we had what well, just remember so many great moments in in those in that project and mm. I took it down to Melbourne as well and met a lot of people through it there and, and probably my f- the the legacy of it stands in this one song that we had that we um, called Crazy Pineapple, which had a little tag. <laughs> the colours tag. Exactly. Okay, yeah. And, and that became ridiculous. Yeah, well, so in, a, in, you know, in the, one of the bands I played in, in that years, uh, we did the tag. And, and I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> like, I didn't understand what people... It was like, we're doing the colours tag, and it was this little little riff. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, I, mi- I think I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I, I did get it at some point. <laughs> But like, I'm pretty sure there were other bands, do, there were multiple bands oh, doing the colours tag and yeah. it became this thing, right? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and, and sometimes I'd enter a room and if a friend of mine was playing, 
you know, in, in whatever band, like Brian Compo was a good example. If you see me enter a gig of his with the Mohairs, you just play that tag <laughs> or whatever. Like, and it's like, great. That form of communication is incredible, and it, it seeped into some bands in Melbourne. <laughs> and, and someone played at a wedding, and the drummer was like, "What? How do I know that?" And, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, cool. That's great, man. Is there anything else you want to? We might we might wrap this thing we're this thing about up. The tag. I don't know what else. <laughs> Once we've talked about the colours tag, there's not anything else to talk about. No. Awesome. Well, thank you, kind sir. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> awesome. Thank you.